top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show where I guess I did so well last week, I can fill in again and talk about football slash soccer. I am your fill-in host, KB. Joining me is the regular co-host of this show, Dom. Dom, how we living? You see how we living? We just got done a nice little episode of the main pod. Yes, uh, if you are a fan of the main pod, or if you didn't know that we do a main pod where we just talk about sports in general, mainly from a Philadelphia sports lens, go and check it out. Uh, if you if you watch us on the YouTube channel, just click the YouTube channel, go watch the main pod. Uh, we just had a great episode. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing real good. Yeah, definitely go check that out. It was a, a fun time, uh, a little Philly season preview show along with... Uh one of our most viral tweets in company history, breaking down the responses to that, which was a lot of fun. Um, before we get started, make sure you guys are following Top Bins on the socials at FC Top Bins on Twitter and at Top Bins Pod on Instagram. Follow Dom on Twitter at Wash Lifestyle. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. And you can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps the show continue to grow. This is the original Underground Sports Philadelphia spinoff podcast. So go support an OG branch of uh, this company. Subscribe to the pod feed. Leave a five-star review. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's where you get full video episodes of Top Bins every single week. You get shorts. You get clips, live streams. The whole nine yard. I was thinking earlier this week, Dom, I think uh, for the Champions League final and for, you know, league finals, like we should have a, a watch along of some sort with uh, you and Matt. I'd be down. I'd be down. As long as Milan are not in the like their oh, yeah. Scudetto race or something like that, because I'll be somewhere else for that. But um, I mean, we can always stream from there. I mean. You can stream from phones. I mean, we may not be able to do it from. I mean, I can do it from my phone with Streamlabs. So, uh, we could subscribe to the YouTube channel. Good. If we get to like 500 subscribers, like we can, we can play around with that. Yeah, we may. We we, we we did a vlog before. Yeah. Who's to say episode two won't happen? Top Ends TV, baby. Let's go. Uh, but yeah, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, smash that like button, ring the bell icon. That way you know when all of our content is dropping. 
And uh, leave a comment in the comment section about everything Dom and I talk about on tonight's show. And make sure you guys go get your merch at PHI Apparel Company, official Top Bins merch at phiapparel.co, the official logo shirt, official hoodie. It's first edition Top Bins merch. This is the first time we've ever had Top Bins merch ever. So you can be the first to have Top Bins merch when you go to phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order at any time. You can use that anytime to uh, go get your merch, and it's the most effective and direct way to support us here at Underground Sports Philadelphia. So go get your merch and support Matt and Dom with your Top Bins merch. Dom, uh, international break week, obviously yeah. kind of a, a slow one, um, but Matt did uh, tabulate uh, your guys' team point totals to date uh, mm -hmm. from the preseason with your, your squads. Break it down for the people. How, how's how's it looking? Uh, well, for me, when it comes to the Premier League, it's actually kind of close. Uh, Matt and I have a difference of 20 points in Matt's favor. He has 293 points. I have 273 points. So uh, in the case of the top tier teams that we picked, right, I'm getting 51 points from Arsenal. I'm also getting 35 points from Tottenham, which – it's not ideal. Uh, Brighton, 29 points. Uh, Matt is getting 44 points from Manchester City and 37 points from United. Now, in that second tier, this is where Matt has a bulk of the teams, and this is where he's doing a lot of damage. Uh, Fulham and Chelsea both on 28 points, uh, and Newcastle with 40. Matt picking up Newcastle is huge for him. Um for me, I'm getting 30 points from both Liverpool and Brentford. So I can't complain with the consistency that I have there. That's almost as much as – I mean, that's more than Brighton. Uh, and it's almost as much as Tottenham. So my second-tier teams are almost doing as well as my top-tier teams, which isn't ideal. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I have the bulk of the teams from the third uh, tier that we have with Leeds, Bournemouth, and Everton. Uh, Everton getting me 22. Bournemouth with 17. Uh, and Leeds with 18. But Matt has Aston Villa, which got him 34 points in this. <sighs> it's annoying. Uh, he's got Southampton with 16, which is almost as much as, you know, my bottom two earners in that division. Not good. Uh Matt has the bulk of the players in the last one. Palace, Nottingham Forest, Leicester City. All of these teams, including my two, doing about the same. So there's not much parity there. There's other spots where you can see there's differences. It, it's pretty balanced, which is nice. Uh, that's getting competitive. As opposed to Syria, uh, Matt with 317, and I'm with 266. So I'm down by... 49 points uh or sorry yeah right no my math is wrong 51 51 points so going into that top tier i have napoli which is beautiful right but uh matt has the bulk of the teams in there he has milan milan's doing well he has lazio lazio's doing really well he has atalanta who is doing pretty well and i'm annoyed you know that i picked udinese they started off well, they've kind of tailed off. Uh, I did get to pick up Roma in the second tier, but Matt has Inter, 
I have Juventus, who, although I hate to see them climbing up the table like this, you know, 46 points is nice. I have Fiorentina. They're not performing as well as I thought they would have done this year. Uh, Matt has the bulk, or sorry, Matt has Fiorentina. I have Torino. Excuse me. Torino's even doing worse. Whatever. Um, Matt has the bulk of the third tier teams. Uh, Sassuolo, Salernitana, Empoli, or sorry, uh, Empoli and Lecce. I have Salernitana and Spezia. Uh, the only big standout here is that Sassuolo has 30 points. So that's a steal for Matt. Helps him out big time there. Uh, and Matt just has the two teams that decided in the bottom division to play really well this season. He got Bologna. He's got Monza. I picked up the three worst teams in the <laughs> this year. Destined for relegation. I can't hate my life anymore uh, when it comes to that. And that's where the big bulk of the difference in this score is. So overall, Matt and I have had a pretty balanced back and forth season so far. But, you know, there's these small things where, where it mattered the most, right? The big teams, they're going to get you your points regardless. It's those... The, the third and fourth tiers, if you can pick the right teams, you know, it's going to work out. I can only hope, you know, that my Premier League one at least turns around. But Matt won't let me live down, you know. I'm the Serie A guy on this show, and if Matt beats me with my, in, at my own game, that's that's kind of tough. But uh, I I, I want to get my get back with the Prem. So, you know, let's, let's, see, how, fun, let's see how that unfolds. Three of our six podcasts have some sort of like fantasy pick'em element to the show. OTB, we do picks every week for the NLL and the PLL. You guys have your fantasy, you know, points for Premier League and Serie A, and then the getting the whole boys every week do their uh, their beer money picks for you know finishes with golf. Do you know my record for the OTB picks before I left the show? I can probably figure it out. Find the graphics. I, I don't think I did that bad. We're on some heaters this year. You and DJ are on some heaters, yeah. Which is wild because we were on heaters last year and we're blowing last year out of the water on the pace we're on right now. That's sick. Um, That's sick. So, yeah, hopefully you get your uh, your get back with the, the Premier League so you don't get double buried. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> International break is going on, so not too yeah. much uh, in terms of like news, news. But you did find a spicy story before we started recording the pod. Well, I found a, I found a few. I have one, two, three, four, five, six up here. Um, let me start with my Milan bias news. You know, my propaganda that I'm going to put out here. Uh, the Domaganda uh, is back. Nobody is perfect. Uh, Pioli insists Napoli not unbeatable ahead of Champions League showdowns. Uh, we talked about this uh, last week, you know, that uh, and I think the week before that Milan played Napoli like back to back to back, basically mm -hmm. like with it. Uh, so it, it's tough. Uh, Milan and Napoli meet for the first time on April 12th uh, with their first leg at the San Siro. Uh, you know, I already said that, like, they need to focus on the Champions League when it comes to this matchup because the league is already won by Napoli. Obviously, like Milan need to get these points so they can secure top four. I think that because – or sorry, no, this is what I said. Milan need to focus on the league. Yeah. Yes, Champions League 
money from winning that would be nice. But if you find success in the Champions League, what is it if you're not in there in the next year? Right. Right. So um, Milan have lost one of their nine all-Italian showdowns in Europe. They have four wins and four draws. So that's, you know, good for them when it comes to uh, the Champions League. Pioli said he wanted to play a foreign team uh, just because uh, Milan have fared better against foreign teams compared to Italian teams. Uh, The last time Milan went beyond uh, the quarterfinals, uh, was in 2006-2007. They ended up winning the Champions League trophy that year. Um, they have not reached the last eight in the Champions League since 2011-12, and they lost to Barcelona. So, you know, it's been a while, and, you know, Milan are not going to take this for granted. They're obviously going to play to win, but I think that focusing on the league is a little more important for them. And that's kind of what Pioli's saying is that, you know, he wants to build on the Champions League history, but the Serie A top four battle is the most important thing. So it sounds like the team has the right mentality when it comes to all of this. Napoli are probably going to take off that game and rotate the squad uh, for the league game, which allows Milan to pick up points. They just need to do it. They've been playing terrible recently, so they need to turn it around. Hopefully they can at that point. So it's all right. I think that it, it sounds like people, the, the the manager and the people in the club have you know, the right mentality. Um, on top of that, uh, some other news coming out of the Milan camp is that Giroud and Milan are set to continue the uh, deal that they have until 2024. Uh, he is enjoying his time there. He doesn't see himself leaving the club. So it seems uh, as per Fabrizio Romano, he'll sign a new deal, a full agreement in place uh, expected after the World Cup. So they have agreed on the final clauses, $3.8 million uh, million euro salary and add-ons. And that should be through 2024. So he's at least there for another year. I mean, he's been great for the club. I think that he's found a good place in Italy. Uh, He's obviously shown still on the world stage how good he is at the World Cup and everything. So um, I think that securing that striker is good but he can't just be relied upon as the only sole striker for Milan. Zlatan's too old. They really don't have anybody else there. So they got to find somebody that can be played there. Um, Giroud is great. There needs to be rotation. Um, So not too bad. I'm happy about that. Um, Staying in Italy. uh, I don't know if you saw this, Kyle. There was some controversy with one of the players that was called up to the Italian national team for their games. Uh, because of, uh, what's his name, Matteo Retegui. He's an Argentinian-born with Italian citizenship. Um, Never has stepped foot in Italy. Has never played in Italy, has never lived in Italy. He's basically Argentinian. He decides to play for Italy. He gets called up uh, for his uh, debut and gets huge criticism from the fans. I don't know what Mancini's doing. Why is he bringing this kid up? He's not even Italian, this and that. He ends up scoring two goals in the two games he plays, right? Still a lot of criticism, people saying all this stuff, right? Uh, But uh, Christian Vieri, 
very notable uh, former Italian player. Uh, he's defended him, and he's uh, basically, you know, called him, you know, the George Best of a Serie A missing leading homegrown talent. His kid's got talent, but he uh, he's never played in Italy. I don't think he stepped foot in Italy. But he, like, the one thing with Italy is that they they have some young talent. They don't develop it correctly. And then it never comes to fruition within the national team. This kid could be one of the guys to spearhead a new movement of how you can bring in talent to the national team. I think, uh, you know, he can't. This is crazy. He can't speak Italian. He spent his entire career in South America. He's been born and raised in Argentina. But he qualified through a grandparent. And he said, you know what? Let me do this. And and it it's so crazy. Uh, you know, guys like Mario Balotelli are saying uh, he should be relying on players closer to home. And, and like, it's... Vieri called it dinosaur stuff. And and it's true. It's so true. We've Matt and I have talked about it on the show when we when we talk about Allegri and how he treats younger players in, in his club system. And and you know the fact that these young players have to pay their dues and these young players have to be Italiano. You know what I mean? Born and raised in Italy. They play for specific teams. They have to have all this hype around them. And then what happens? They, they, they never, they never do anything, right? They got to pay their dues in the low divisions and then it hurts their career, ruins their career. This kid, if he's worth it, why not bring him up? Why not give him a chance? I kind of look at that as a coach myself. Like if you don't give the younger kids a chance, how are they ever going to improve? If you don't give them that experience, how are they ever going to improve? If this kid is talented and you're seeing it in, in you know, his play in South America and he says, I want to play for Italy, I, I can play for Italy, and he's one of your better chances, why not? Why not? He scored two goals. He might as well get a better chance. Uh, are you seeing something that I'm not seeing? I mean, sure, like he, he's never lived in Italy, but – Can it's you, too much. Uh, can you answer that? Like, it's like too much, like nationalism pouring through from Italy's terrible for that. Yeah, there's always. It's it's such an ancient, and and I'm glad that you know, uh, Christian Vieri isn't even young, but like the younger generation Italians even to Vieri's generation. And he's, that's almost like a peer of some of these other people who are, who have that old school mentality, the shift in mentality, because Italians are tired of seeing other teams win. We're coming up on 20 years since they won a world cup, you know? So Italian football has stagnated for so long and, and, and it's kind of like basked in mediocrity. And now that they won the euros, recently and now we're qualifying for the next one i mean it was it was obviously spoiled by not qualifying for the world cup which i don't agree 
with. If you win the Euros, you should automatically qualify for the World Cup. I digress. Um, it, you know, people are seeing what is needed to be competitive in today's game. The old shit of the past that that allowed the 2016 to win the World Cup is is back then. It doesn't apply today. 20 years later almost. And people are starting to realize that because the people that are still in power and making the decisions and whatever, it's not 2006. Mm-hmm. Get with the times. Um, spicy, you're talking about spicy, right? Anybody who listens to this show, anybody who watches this on YouTube, you guys know I love nothing more than making fun of Tottenham. As you can see on my wall, I have Arsenal jerseys on the wall. I'm not just a fraud, okay? Like, I, I, when I say I, I have a, 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 an affinity for Arsenal, there's a reason, okay? Uh, so, coming out of the Spurs camp, Tottenham director Fabio Apatitici banned from football worldwide by FIFA. He's been banned uh, after FIFA extended the punishment imposed in Italy following his involvement in Juventus's penalized accounting practices. So basically, he was involved. So, it, it, you, Kyle, you know how uh, we've talked about Juventus getting the 15-point deduction, which threw them down the Serie A table, and now they're climbing up to get back into European contention, right? So, Paratici joined... Uh, Juventus in 2010. He was their sporting director between 2018 and November and the summer of 2021, so a little more recent. Uh, And then he took up a similar role at Tottenham. Uh, The investigation into Juve's accounts scrutinized transactions between 2019 and 2021 when he was at the heart of the dealings. So um, basically, he's been banned from football. How you get banned he on was, a day off? He was initially handed a 30-month ban from just Italian football. Uh, but on Wednesday, today, uh, FIFA released a statement uh, confirming that they had indeed taken up the option of punishing internationally. So he is banned from football completely. Tottenham screwed now they need to hire a new sporting director. They're already dealing with issues. And if you don't have a sporting director with any sense of direction for this team, how are you going to hold on to your players? How are you going to bring players in? I would not be surprised to see Tottenham be like a mid-table team next year. This is this is the statement from FIFA. It says, FIFA can confirm that following a request by the Italian FA, uh, the chairperson of FIFA disciplinary committee, has decided to extend the sanctions imposed by FIGC on several football officials to have worldwide effect. Wow. That's incredible. And we thought they were the this is fine dog. Oh, it's even worse now. The owners, the owners, that's who I was talking about. Not the sporting director sitting there saying this is fine. It was the owners. The owners. Ready? I got an extra prop today. There's my foot. 
This is fine. This is fine. Everything's burning around us. You know what? I'm just going to sit here. There it is. Free content, right? <laughs> Listen. Oh my God. It's so funny. All that dust in their trophy cabinet just was kindling for this fire. And now the whole thing. You can't write this stuff, man. You can't write this stuff. And of course, it's all linked to Juventus. I love it. <laughs> I don't know if You're you saw my glory. I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day. I uh, I quote tweeted something, and it was a uh, was when Juventus won one of the Scudetti in you know their run of like nine straight, and it's from a Juve account, and it says, "What do you miss the most about this picture?" And I quote tweeted it, and I said, "The corruption." <laughs> Ah, oh, man. man, I just, when I get any chance to shit on Tottenham or Juventus or Roma or Inter or Manchester United, <laughs> I'm going to take it. Uh, How do you get banned on your day off? Dog, what the heck? All right. I'm going to ask you a question when it comes off of this one, okay? Um some news off the international break. Lionel Messi surpasses 100 international goals with a hat trick against Curacao. So he brought his, uh, he was on 99, scored three. Now he's at 102 goals with Argentina. Um, my question to you is. It's the age-old question. I have you on the show, so I can have you come into the fray because, uh, you know, we talked about the most viral tweet on on the the, the regular pod, the uh, the the top bins pod uh, Twitter put out somewhat of the same thing. You know, what's a very controversial uh, take that you have uh, when it comes to the sport? And no matter your answer to this one, it's controversial. So. Can I ask you, I'm not going to be so direct with it, but do you think that the criticism of Messi is fair when you talk about, you know, he's played for Argentina and he, he stat pads against these small teams uh, because Ronaldo fans will talk about the same thing. You know, Ronaldo scoring these goals against Luxembourg. Uh, he scored two goals against Luxembourg. Uh, he's scoring all these goals in Saudi Arabia at 30, whatever thousand years old he is. Oh my God, he's so great. But then when you talk about Messi, oh, he's struggling at PSG. Oh, he could be in the MLS by next year. Oh, he just stat pads against these teams. Do you think it's fair? Basically, what I'm saying is, are you taking Ronaldo or Messi's side in this, Kyle? So choose wisely. I mean, I'm I'm always Team Messi. Um, okay. I have a fun spin zone on the polar opposite takes on why one person gets the holier than now versus insane criticism. 
that might make you fall out of your chair. What do you mean? Messi gets hated on because he's a short king. <laughs> uh, you know what I think it is? And Ronaldo's like this chiseled supermodel type. That's why Messi got the tattoos. First on his leg, eyes, and then Messi on his arms. Messi's this short king who goes out, does his job, plays who's on the schedule, and he's gets not, hated on because he's a short king. He's not flashy. Listen. Now, <laughs> this is crazy because Ronaldo's come up was before social media. So you had to watch Manchester United on TV to see how good Cristiano Ronaldo was as a kid. He was incredible. However, he was also extremely flashy. And the biggest criticism of him at the time when he was young is that he was too flashy. And that was going to be his downfall. He cared more about flashiness than converting the stats. He went to Real Madrid. Real Madrid, he is insane. Still flashy. Extremely flashy. But as the years go on, you can see that he became more methodical and clinical in his approach. And then as the athleticism wears down because he's getting older, he makes the change in his game back to the flashiness. If you watch him now, it's all flash. If you if you go on social media now in social media times, right? Obviously, Ronaldo at Real Madrid, social media is big. Now it's it's growing and it's expanding. And all his highlights are shared on YouTube and Twitter and all this stuff. And everybody knows Ronaldo. But then he goes back to Manchester United and, and you know, everything he's doing now and everything he's done with Portugal. As he gets older, it's all flash again. What he, he, he doesn't press. He hurts teams more than... Uh, he helps them and people will cherry pick stats to try to prove that statement wrong, but it's all flash still. He still passes off the back. No looks like all this stuff. It's Ronaldinho as he got older as well. That's all he does. That's all he did. Messi has always been clinical. He's never been flashy to the point of like what I mean by like Ronaldo Neymar flashy. The only other player that I can say is, is clinical when it comes to how they play. They're not super flashy. Is Mbappe. And Mbappe's flashy. But like Messi was the player where, like you said, he goes in, he gets the job done. He does exactly what he needs to do. He's clinical with every single thing that he does. And he still is able to pull off shit that when you look at it, you're like, that's absolutely magical. To the common fan, it looks like, oh, he just like dribbled through a bunch of people. Like, how hard is that to do? You know, but then they'll watch Ronaldo and they'll see him do like some stepovers. They'll be like, oh, that's sick. Right? Ronaldo is the common fan's favorite player because of his flashiness. Oh, did you see the back heel assist he got against Everton? Oh, yeah, but how do you do against Manchester City? No goals, you know, uh, terrible pass percentage, right? How many shots on goal did he have, you know? When did he get subbed off? Did he throw a temper tantrum? You know what I mean? Like, this is what you're talking about. And now Messi, 
Messi don't do that. At least, you know, for most of the cameras to see, you don't see a lot of that. As some people will say that Messi's being babied, you know, when it comes to that stuff, the treatment by the media. There's all this conspiracy theory that everybody's out to get Ronaldo. That's insane. Tell me if I'm in the wrong here. Ronaldo, you know the the viral tweet of uh, for the NFL where it's like you know quarterbacks put this on social media, running back puts this, and then wide receivers like, oh you know I'm getting stabbed in the back by the snake that fed me or whatever. <laughs> that's that's Ronaldo and Messi's a quarterback. You, you know what? You are not wrong. You're not. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Ronaldo would be the guy to like all black, like a completely blackout like picture with the eyes emoji. Just yeah, like the, you know. the tweet is typical quarterback tweet. Love my teammates. God is good. Running back tweet. Keep grinding. Tight end tweet. Derp. Wide receiver tweet. The enemy speaks kindly and holds a knife. Yeah, that's Ronaldo. That's Ronaldo. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's cool. You know, Messi, hundred over 100 goals for Argentina, just furthering his legacy even, even more. I mean, I don't know how you, anyone can say that he's not the greatest of all time. You can slam my Twitter DMs for that. You can mention me and kill my mentions about that, but I will – stand by it 110 percent that Messi is the greatest of all time. Messi is the greatest of all time. And if we want to get even hotter on the hot takes, I was the only person that responded to the top ins one. So all of you guys are fake because you don't follow us on Twitter. Yeah, and if you do, us. you don't interact with our tweets. And I We're hate trying to get more guys, active on right? the, the top in socials. So you know what? You know what? I I dislike that. I'm deeply disappointed in the fans of this show who listen weekly. And I know there's some people out there. And I know there's some of you on YouTube that watch this. Listen, you gotta you gotta get with the tweets, man. All right. I have a hot take, and I know some people on Twitter that agree with me. I don't know if this is just because it's nostalgia for me, and there's a nostalgic factor, but. Neymar is better than Ronaldinho. Now, statistically, me being the novice that I am, I don't know how accurate that is, but I can see your argument. And okay. it's an argument worth, I think, bringing to the table. It's It's one of those... It's very similar to like how I bring up the NFL again, where like quarterbacks get debated all the time. You know who who's better? Is it? And now the new ones can be Brady versus Mahomes until the end mm-hmm. of time. You know, it's 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 that type of thing when it comes to the superstar soccer players is similar to the quarterback debate. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is why I say this. The first argument that somebody gives against me is, well, how many Ballon d'Ors does uh, Neymar have? Ronaldinho won a Ballon d'Or. I get it. 
he played in the era where there were guys like Thierry Henry and Didier Drogba and, you know, uh, a younger Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Zidane and all these other guys. Neymar played in the era of Messi and Ronaldo. And I get it. Modric won a Ballon d'Or. Benzema won a Ballon d'Or. But that's both when Messi and Ronaldo's careers started going on the tail end. These guys dominated world football for over a decade. It's very tough to be better than these guys. So, of course, Neymar doesn't win a Ballon d'Or. What? Are you kidding me? Neymar is not a product of being paired with Suarez and Messi at Barcelona. Neymar only elevated what they had there. Sure. He uh, is injury prone. Or, you know, you have these conspiracy theories that whenever it's his sister's birthday, he gets injured. And, you know, it happened again this year. So here we go. It only furthers the conspiracy theory. But I think that a lot of people discredit his career because, one, he went to Barcelona and played with two of the best forwards of all time on a team that still had pieces that were absolutely top-notch and they were still one of the best in the world. And, yes, he doesn't have a Champions League either. So, you know, you got to be careful with that. But he's not a product of, of just being on that team. When he's at PSG, he's himself still. He's not, you know, a product of everything else. Like he's not he's not Mbappe's sidekick, okay. Um, what people tend to forget is they underrate Neymar because half a third of his career was played at Santos in the Brazilian league. So like, oh well, he did all this stuff that was fancy, and his highlight reels were were half done because you know his viral ones were when he was playing against plumbers in Brazil, right? I don't want to hear that bullshit because he was doing the same thing at the international level. He was Brazil's number one his entire career. I don't want to hear that. If you're Brazil's number one, you're one of the top guys. And, of course, Brazil doesn't win some trophies. Or they don't win a World Cup. They don't, you, you know, whatever. When you're, when you're looking at the talent of some of these other teams, like the Germany team in the early 2010s, France, like Spain. Spain was one of the most dominant dominant teams in world football. Netherlands are really good. It's very tough for Brazil or Argentina. You want to you want to talk about this whole thing? Messi was so unsuccessful for so long. You know, Messi won the World Cup now because there's this young resurgent group that has brought this team to the next level with very good quality veteran presence. Brazil has been a shit show at the national level. And the only person they could always count on was Neymar. And the stuff I saw this man do as a teenager was incredible. Absolutely magical. And I've seen Ronaldinho, uh, like montages and highlight tapes and stuff like that from when he was at Barcelona. Cause that was before I started becoming a big fan of football. I remember Ronaldinho at AC Milan. 
I remember Ronaldinho post AC Milan. And it's the same thing that I said about Ronaldo. It's all the flash, all the extra, you know, the actual productivity. It was past that. He was good for Milan, but he wasn't Barcelona. You see what I'm getting to? I have a fun comparison that I think is accurate and I think you'll appreciate. Is Neymar to football what Chris Bosh was to the NBA? No. No. Because I feel Chris, like like you Chris Bosh like is with, more of an unsung hero than Neymar is. To, to I, I'm going from like the underappreciated stance that you were bringing to the table. Like, I think Neymar is appreciated pretty well. I just think that some of these other icons from the past have even more of a nostalgic factor that people put them above everybody else. The game's evolved, man. Because I think when you look at Chris Bosh from an NBA standpoint, like people don't, because of recency bias in everything, no matter what you're talking about, everyone's just going to immediately go to, oh, you know, LeBron made him just post up in the corner and shoot threes. When Chris Bosh was on the Raptors, he was one of the most dominant players in the NBA. And people forget, like, how good and how talented and the things Chris Bosh was doing, nobody in the NBA was doing. And it just so happened that he was doing it in Canada. For the Raptors. On a mediocre team. Yeah. On a mediocre team. But he was... And, and the Raptors didn't win championships. Yeah. Um. But then you mentioned, you know, he goes and teams up with Messi and Suarez. Like, Bosch teams up with LeBron. And yeah, but, but when Ronaldo was in Brazil, he was winning championships. I mean, Santos was so successful just because of him. Like that's the thing. Like he put the team on his back in Brazil, and he had he had some other players. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Gonzo, Gonzo at the time played for Santo as well. And at, at at the time when him and Neymar played together at Santos, Sa- Gonzo was like the next Kaká. Like he was the guy for Brazil when it came to like the, an attacking midfielder. His 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 thing didn't his career didn't end up panning out well. Oscar took over, but. Uh, those two guys for Santos made Santos extremely successful. So I don't think it was very similar to Chris Bosch. I just think that people downplay the league. You know, Chris Bosch was still doing this in the NBA. So mm-hmm. like if if Neymar was like doing this uh, in La Liga already for say like a mid-table team or like a Valencia or a Sevilla, and then he goes to Barcelona to team up with Messi and Suarez, I think that that would be a lot more relatable and still be like underappreciated. Like, Oh, he never won anything except maybe a Europa league or something. And then, you know, he goes to Barcelona and he wins the league. Big whoop, right? Like he's with Messi and Suarez and Iniesta. Which I think so many people feel the same way about Chris Bosch. It's like, Oh, big whoop. You know, he's with LeBron and D Wade and wins a championship. And then he, and you know, they say like, Oh, he went to league one in, in France and he's playing against like terrible teams. Again, he's playing in a farmer's league and uh, he's playing on the team with the most money in the league and this and that, of course they're going to win championships, whatever. So that's why they always bring up, Oh, he doesn't have a world cup. Oh, he doesn't have a champions league. And they'll, and they'll hold that against him when it comes to these type of arguments. But I'm telling you, I'm, telling you 
when you look at skill, you look at just what each player has done in the game, it's a lot closer than you want to think. That's all I, I also say. think in sports, we, we overvalue in every sport, we overvalue how good a player is based on how many trophies they have in their cabinet. Mm-hmm. The ring argument, the trophy argument is so low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, on, on on the on the main pod we talked about Cowboys fans, you know, they it's low hanging fruit. Oh, we have five NFL championships. Listen, I do it. Milan haven't been relevant in the Champions League for so long, but we still have the second most Champions Leagues won. So I will hold that against everybody all the time. I'm guilty of it too. So yes, you can use my logic against me, but I'm still telling you that I don't agree with my logic in this in this case. I don't. And it's like you know, Neymar might not have the the trophies in in these big categories and everything. Neither did somebody like Dan Marino in the NFL, who is statistically and just on you know the eye test alone one of the greatest NFL quarterbacks of all time. Never won a Super Bowl. Slatan Ibrahimovic is, in my opinion, can could be considered one of the top three strikers of all time. And uh, he's never won a Champions League. He's never won a World Cup. He's been successful in every league that he's gone to with every team he's played for. But he's never won the two big ones. Does that tarnish his legacy? I don't think so. People still consider him one of the top three, if not top four. I wouldn't go outside of top four for him of all time. Why can't Neymar be in that contention too? Right. Why does why do you have to hold him to such high standard? And and they've been doing that his entire life. When he was at Santos playing it, and and you know the the main stage was him playing for Brazil. Everybody watched Brazil matches because oh Neymar's on the national international stage now. He's not playing for his Brazilian team, so people expected more from him. And if he just came out, you know, he he, he kind of just kicked the ball around and did some flashy moves and, and then got an assist. It would be disappointing for people. They'd be like, oh, I thought Neymar was going to do this or do this. And then as he got better, and then he goes to Barcelona and he gets better as a player. It's absolutely incredible. It's just so good, clinical, yet flashy. People want to talk about him diving and this and that. Who cares? Who cares? People know it's Neymar, and they know he likes he likes to be flashy. They talk about Neymar being injury prone. That's because people go out and hunt his ankles down. The reason he's so injury prone is because people have gone out to injure him, especially when he was playing in Brazil. So now it just happens. Can't hold that against him. Listen, if you if you want to. If you want to debate with me on Twitter about this, just just go and respond to my tweet, uh, or you can tweet at me at Watch Lifestyle. I'll talk about this more on there. I don't want to keep going off on this on uh, kind of just like riffing, but seriously, tweet us your own takes too. Yeah, let me let me know your takes. I'm 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 willing to talk about a lot of them. I'm sure when Matt starts feeling better, he'll get more involved in that as well. Uh, Listen, you don't want to get on Matt's bad side of the soccer debate either. I'll tell you, I've lost my fair share growing up with him. So this is it's 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 not ideal. Uh just a last little bit of news. Um, this one puts a smile onto my face because both of these two guys are very iconic. Uh with you know, 
me growing up watching the sport of football, but like Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger are the first two managers to be inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame before it was all players. These are the two managers, and I couldn't agree more. Um, both of these guys are iconic, 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 iconic. Arsene Wenger led the only Premier League team to an uh, 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 invincible season. They did not lose a single game. Um, he's always managed a very good Arsenal side, even when questions were asked and the fans were against him. Um, he helped Arsenal run for at a profit for many years, almost to the fans' dismay. But who cares? Arsene Wenger was a visionary. He was one of the best managers I've seen in world football. And he's got a good eye for jackets. Um, See, you didn't smile, so you don't know my reference. But Arsene Wenger is always known for these super long zip-up Arsenal jackets that go like, like halfway down his shin because it's so cold outside. And like, there's like a meme, like you can, you can uh, look it up, but like he's struggling to zip up his jacket. It's, it's the Arsene Wenger jacket memes are a classic. Um, But the other one, Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the most successful managers in in the Premier League era. I mean, the, the, the Manchester United teams that he was able to manage just year after year after year. There's a reason Manchester United fans hold this elitist type of view about their team over other teams. And there's a reason that Manchester United is such a brand in world football. And it's because of this guy. I mean, hell, I was growing up watching Legends of the Hidden Temple on Nickelodeon and they were sponsored by Manchester United. And and I didn't know what the hell it was. I was like, what the hell is Manchester United? No, I'm a kid. I'm not, I can't, I don't know anything about England yet. Like, I don't know anything about professional soccer. You know, I didn't know what that was. We didn't have the sports package like that for me to watch that, you know, but as I got older and I start seeing these Manchester United teams and Cristiano Ronaldo and Carlos Tevez and you know, even all the way up to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Sir Alex Ferguson has, oh, oh wait, no, Zlatan didn't play for Ferguson. Excuse me. But anyway, the teams that he managed, he expected, he held such high expectations for the, for his team. He was always straightforward and told them like it is, but he, also had this caring instinct for them that just set them to the next level. He allowed players to be themselves and he, he could see the potential in players and give players chances. And he knew exactly when to play them. And, you know, he helped run the, the, the Manchester United Academy that brought forth some of the best talent England and Great Britain has ever seen in a single class. You're talking Skulls, the Neville brothers, uh, uh, Beckham and Giggs all graduated the academy at the same time. What? And that's all because of this guy. The history of world football was influenced by this guy. 13 championships, 16 Premier League titles between the two of them. And... You want to talk about a time 
of loyalty. These guys have stayed with the same club forever. Forever. Sir Alex Ferguson is the only coach to win the Premier League three times in a row, doing so on two different occasions. That's six of his third or sorry, six of his thirteen championships. Is that good? I think that's pretty damn good. That's that's Michael Jordan numbers, dude. Michael Jordan numbers. It, it's it's stupid. It's stupid. You know, Wenger came to the Premier League in 1996. He was one of the Premier League's first foreign coaches, and and Arsenal was just incredible, incredible. So for for both of these guys to to be the first two managers, I think that's very fitting for the Premier League Hall of Fame. These guys stand above the rest of the great Premier League managers of all time. Easily. Easily. These two guys are the most iconic. And at the end of the day, you may see guys like Klopp and Guardiola in there. But these two guys deserve to be in there. Any 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 fan that knows soccer would agree easily. These two guys deserve to be there. Hundred um, percent. I found this fun article too for international break season um, from Talksport.com. Mm-hmm. Kind of doing a, in a sense, like a what if slash hypothetical um, summer transfers that could happen this coming summer in the Premier League. I'm going to read them off to you. You give me a yay or nay on if you could see it happening or if it's just completely outlandish. The first one on the article, and we'll link the article uh, in the YouTube and podcast description as well so you guys can read everything. Uh, Christopher Nkunku. Mm-hmm. Probably just butchered that, but uh, Christopher and Kunku, yeah, to Chelsea, not bad. to Chelsea. Uh, are there any? Uh, I don't know if you know, if you see this if it's an article and there's like a little something written underneath or not. Yeah, that, but, so it says. Uh, uh, does he have interest from any other teams? It says. Let's see. So they kind of just list off their reasoning of why. Yeah, what they said. So they said, we'll kick off with a move that is all but complete. Uh, Chelsea are determined to build a team that can challenge at the top for years to come, and he will only aid them. The 25-year-old made his name with uh, PSG, but has really kicked on since joining Red Bull, um, scoring 64 goals and providing 52 assists in 163 games. A player who can shine right across the front three. The Blues will be delighted to get this deal done as they look to continue their rebuild in the Todd Bowley era. I think that it would be a great signing for them. It's like kind of what they need, but I don't think they have the money to do it. I mean, Matt and I have talked about these exuberant contracts that they're giving these players. They got that DraftKings money. They're, they're operating at a way that is not sustainable. And when Leipzig give the, the price tag, Chelsea aren't going to be happy. And Kunku is is one of like the hottest like world talent, like young talents, like right now. Um, 
He's also very popular with, with football fans. Uh, he has some cards on FIFA that are very popular. So, you know, the clubs know that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and they know the type of PR that it'll bring if they bring somebody in, especially a Premier League club. So I would assume that other teams like a Manchester United would be interested in him. Uh, you know, a Liverpool could be interested in him. And then he's probably got like PSG maybe wanting to bring him back in. Or, or, you know, you may see like an Inter Milan or AC Milan or or a, a, a Barcelona. You know, those are really like – and hell, Dortmund or Bayern could scoop him up. He may like life in Germany. I think that Chelsea – and when all these teams that I named Arsenal, I'm pretty sure that he's been linked with Arsenal. Um, I think that – when these other team names start coming into contention, Chelsea just starts falling down that list of, you know, his, the destination that he'll end up at. So I think it's an A. The next one will make you kick your feet up and swirl your wine around in a this is fine scenario. This, this is going to be for the clip. <laughs> Harry Kane to Manchester United? Meanwhile... Uh, can we can we have a like a transition thing like it's sort of like SpongeBob does but like not that it's like more like superhero esque you know like meanwhile at Tottenham headquarters Sir Harry Kane has signed with Manchester United uh, just as I foretold. Our job here is done. <laughs> the right up here. And the whole thing falls apart. Um, yeah, Mary, Harry Kane's gone. Especially given everything that's going on with the front office, Harry Kane's gone for sure. They're going to have to sell him. They have to. It says a deal that would undoubtedly be the biggest move of the summer transfer window. Kane is facing an uncertain future with Tottenham uh, and with a contract that expires in 2024. It means that the North London side faced their last chance to attract top dollar for the player. Now 29, Kane wants a chance to win a major silverware. And with Manchester United looking uh, up under Eric Ten Hag, it could be a match made in heaven as the Red Devils look for a proven goal scorer to lead their line. Yep. Um, I could see this happening. Um, I don't think that Spurs would sell him to Arsenal. City already has their guy. I don't think that Harry Kane's game really fits overseas. I don't think that Harry Kane kind of gives off the persona of somebody who would go to a different country to play. He's a Premier League lifer. So um, really the only place you can see him ending up is Manchester United. He's not going to go to Liverpool. He's not going to go to Arsenal. And like I said, City have their guy. Where else is he going to go? Not Chelsea. I, I, this is it's almost a match already finished. I'm interested how you'll see this one. It's about somebody we just got done talking about, actually. The GOAT. Messi. That's to Manchester Barcelona. City. No, it's not happening. Here's, He'd end up at Barcelona before he goes to City. Like, I, get that pep, I get that Pep's there. No. Like, I get that Pep's there. I get that they have Holland. Uh, I, I get that 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 their system fits his play style, 
He could he could play as the center forward in a in a in a four three three false nine. He can play as a right winger. He, you know, he, I don't see it happening. I would see I could see Messi in Barcelona. So they list they list Barcelona, Inter, uh, Miami, and then a lucrative move to Saudi Arabia as well have all been touted. That's not happening. Um, but they say City may just have an outside chance of signing the goat and bringing him to the Premier League. No, not gonna happen. Would you like to see it? I don't think that he'll do well. You know, as much as I just gave Messi his praises earlier on. Obviously, he's getting older. And just the way that the Premier League plays, uh, uh, the Premier League is very straightforward. You have to play aggressively. You you, you attack. That's all it is. Try to score. And we'll have the best defenders in the world, so it'll be tough for you to do it, but that's all it is. You don't have time in the Premier League to be very finesse. To, to have like a lot of finesse or a very skillful plays. The Premier League just doesn't fit that kind of style. Spain, Italy, those places, you can have skill and extend your career even further. Look at Olivier Giroud, look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic, look at Romelu Lukaku. Every time he goes to the Premier League, he's shit. And when he goes to Italy, he's good, except for this year, except for this year. But I digress. I just don't think that Messi would be good. And for his career, and, and you know, he wants to go to a place that's not only emotional, but where he can still have an impact. And I think that that's Barcelona. And I think that Messi will do it not for the money. I don't think Saudi Arabia is a viable option. That would yeah. look like he's chasing Ronaldo. And they would have to make it crazy lucrative to him. So Saudi Arabia could then like tote like, oh, we have the best two players in our league now. But then it's like a retirement league, like what people said the MLS would be. Everybody always speculated that Messi and Ronaldo would end up living in America at the in the MLS. Um, that's obviously not the case. Enter Miami. I know that Messi is a part owner. Yeah, they're offering him ownership stake and everything. Yeah, and then he would come and still play. That would be cool. I could see Messi doing that before going to the city. I'd love that. I think that would be awesome for the MLS. But with the state of the way our country is, I don't see anybody wanting to come and play in the MLS. Any big name. Why would they want to retire and come to the U.S.? Like, they could retire and go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> they could they could retire and go play in Qatar. Or Dubai. Or, 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 or go live in Italy, go live in Spain, you know, get out of that dreary, rainy French weather and go live in Spain again, go live in Italy. Why, why, you know what I mean? Yeah. So why would he go to England? I, I, I don't see it now. That's a, that's a big nay for me. Uh, the next one, Declan Rice to Arsenal. To Arsenal? Yeah, that's a yay. Arsenal need uh, another midfielder. I'm, I'm pretty sure Thomas Partey has finally been arrested. 
for for the despicable acts he he committed allegedly um they need another kind of pivot guy decky is perfect and he's been waiting for that right move to make to the to to a top club and with the way that west ham season is going if he's fallen down the table and and west ham may look like they're in line for relegation they're going to have to offload him to a premier league club because they need some money to make some signings so they can get back to the premier league Decky's the first to go. I could see Arsenal bringing him in for sure. Matt will love this one. To Liverpool, Jude Bellingham. I think that Matt would tell you nay. I don't think really? that he thinks it would happen. Um, Obviously, Matt would love that. That's a pipe dream for him. I don't think it happens. So I think I really, I'm going with the general consensus. I think he ends up at Real Madrid before he ends up at Liverpool. So the justification in their little write-up is uh, Bellingham is shining for his club right now, but is now ready for a move to one of Europe's elite clubs. Manchester United, Manchester City, and Real Madrid all keen as well. However, it's a move to Liverpool that is getting the most attention, particularly given his close friendship with England teammate Jordan Henderson. I love the memes of people saying that Henderson is like... All right, hold on. Actually... Let me preface it with this. Uh, I want to relate. I want to make an analogy. This way, you really understand it. Remember all the tampering memes about LeBron James? Oh yeah, that's what they're saying about Jordan Henderson. Because like they were at recovery, like ice baths or hot tubs or something, and like Jordan Henderson took a picture, and he's like recovery with the bro, uh, and, and somebody Jordan like, Henderson's quote, basically Bryce Harper. Yeah, somebody like tweeted it and was like, "Come on, dude, he's not coming to Liverpool." Like. Listen, I think he's going to end up in Real Madrid. Modric is, is on his last legs, and same with Tony Cruz. They need a replacement and have that like lockdown midfielder to pair with Valverde and and Camavinga, who have both shown to be you know the next two up, but they play a three midfield you know set. Modric is going to be on his way out. Same with Cruz. You might as well go out and get the top dog. That's what Real Madrid does. They 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 kind of operate for a little bit. And then when they're finally able to make that swoop, they make that swoop. And I think that Jude Bellingham ends up in Madrid. Jordan Pickford to Tottenham. Maybe. I could see Tottenham uh, with their depth. I mean, obviously, Lloris hasn't completely stayed healthy. They've had to play Fraser Forster. Um, they need a better backup. Forster's all right. Pickford's better. And again, Everton could be a team that needs to sell some players off because they are in the relegation zone. That's England's starting goalkeeper. I don't know how he's still England's starting goalkeeper, but um, that's who that's who Southgate has his has his trust in over Aaron Ramsdale and stuff. So I could see him ending up. He he he's the type of player that needs to be at a. I use this very lightly. Top club. You know? Uh, the next one is somebody just leaving the Premier League altogether. Uh, Wilfred Zaha to Saudi Arabia. That's kind of out of left field. Um, so it says the Crystal Palace star has been regularly linked with a move away in previous seasons, but now he'll finally get his chance. 
Zaha's out of contract this summer, which means he can move on a free transfer, leaving him to decide where is the best place for him to continue his career. And while Arsenal have previously been linked, a lucrative move to the Saudi Pro League has been mooted. In previous weeks, a deal that could be very tempting indeed, uh, tempting indeed if the forward uh, fancies a fresh challenge. Listen, that's not a challenge for Willie. That's not a challenge at all. I mean, he's top guy at Crystal Palace, and he loves the Premier League too much. He really does. And I think that the stint at Manchester United that never really came to fruition still is a chip on his shoulder, and I think he has something to prove at a top English club. Um, the Arsenal rumors would be cool, you know, if he ends up over there and plays for Arsenal and can really show out. I think that then his that's more of a challenge for him than taking the money and going to an easier league. Like, like I get it. Like the Saudi league is trying to throw money at a bunch of like players to see if they'll come and play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're trying to build this league almost like a super league right um it's you're 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 gonna see that in like a few years or like five ten years that that's not a sustainable way it's gonna turn into the mls you know what i mean a bunch of saudi players that are on the fringe but they don't get a lot of chances because they bring in these foreign players on big contracts and the club doesn't have money live golf 2.0 yeah uh, Ilke Gundogan mm-hmm. to Barcelona. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. That could be a maybe. He's on a free transfer. Um, it says he's in the final few months of his deal um, and no extension agreed upon, so it seems the German star is looking for a fresh challenge. He uh he's kind of on the fringe. He's not like a, a consistent starter for City. So yeah, I could see that. He could look to want to play some more playing minutes. So I could I could see it. Uh it, the, the Kessie hasn't really gelled right at Barcelona and they may look for another like holding like two-way midfielder. So to add some competition. I could see it happening. Got two left here on the list. Uh Moses Caicedo. Okay. To Arsenal. Caicedo is the guy from Brighton. Brighton. Mm. That's a very Arsenal move. Apparently there was uh, talk of the January transfer window uh, after he pushed to a move to Arsenal in the final days. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. This one could be a lot more likely. Could be a lot more likely. It's an Arsenal type of move, signing the, the young uh, South American. Uh, the other thing that's about uh, weird about Brighton is Roberto De Zerbi may not be the coach anymore. So this may be like a full rebuild for Brighton. They already sold Kukurea, who is one of their top players. Um, yes, they've still been competitive in the Premier League, but you know they're starting to fall out of contention with European spots and things like that. I, I think they're in a Europa League spot right now. Uh, they're playing. They're playing well, but. I think that, you know, there's people getting to ends of contracts and and uh, if, if the coach is changing, there may be they, they may try to bring in some money for a new project to take them to the next level. So 
yeah, you, I could see them selling off some some top young talent to a to a big club so they could bring in some money. And then the last one, not to be confused with U.S. history, but James Madison to Newcastle. Uh, this one has been rumored for a long time. Um, I don't know if he really pushes the needle for Newcastle. This could be a maybe. Newcastle's on the fringe of being a really good team. I don't know if Madison's the right player to spend the money on. I know he's looking to get out of Leicester City. But I don't think a move to Newcastle is the right thing. Obviously, they're a better club, but mm-hmm. for for Newcastle's sake, I think they need to look for somebody better. That's all they listed in there. Uh, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to title the episode Harry Kane to... Can we can we like make a clickbait like whole thing like we're like this and then yeah and then and then we Harry Kane to Manchester United question mark exclamation mark question mark exclamation mark clickbait if, all day Kyle let's do it come and on if you That's made it this clicks. far in the episode comment hashtag HK in the YouTube comment section yeah that's how we that's how we get the clicks Kyle that we just have to lie. You know, pretty much people will click. You just have to people lie. will click. Hey, uh, real quick. Um, before we end the show, I just want to ask you a question. I didn't get to ask you this on the main pod. So who's the best rapper ever? Biggie, Tupac, Lil Wayne, Kendrick, or somebody else? Who? So I saw this debate with Biggie and Tupac involved. And it also included Jay-Z. And then people throwing like the Jay-Z Nas debate in Neither of them touch neither of them touch Wayne or Kendrick in my opinion. So they they're they're completely out. In my opinion. So here was here was the fun like spin zone on Biggie and Tupac. We view their music as like this holy grail hall of fame like no skips type of music Mm -hmm. because their lives were cut short Mm -hmm. you know every rapper out there has an album that not everybody listens to people say it's a miss this that and the third throughout their entire career Mm -hmm. we never got to that point with Biggie and Tupac. But I'm sure, you know, if they were afforded the opportunity to live out their lives, there would have been a Biggie album that wasn't as great as some of the others. There would have been a Tupac album that didn't hit as hard as some of the others. But because we never got that opportunity to experience... And because the selective... uh discography that they have is so good right it is in this pantheon kind of on its own i but i agree with what you say about lil wayne and kendrick so 
Biggie had two albums and only two albums, but those albums are absolutely incredible. Right. Also, Biggie as just a an MC on the mic, his skills were crazy compared to mm-hmm. everybody else during his time. Obviously, we don't get that type of longevity, so we don't know. Right. right. Same with Tupac. And and Tupac was a revolutionary when he came to his music. He talked about a lot of things in his music that people didn't really talk, want to talk about at in that time. Right. So. Um, not only did was he an entertainer, but he was also you know a progressive, uh, you know for for his stances and his takes. This is this is where I go though. Ninety five percent of what you listen to today is because of Little Wayne. Oh, yeah. Almost a hundred percent of what we listened to in high school was because of Little Wayne, mm-hmm. and Little Wayne was still the top at that point. Right. The, uh, you ask any rapper who did they listen to growing up? I guarantee you, one of the artists they say is Lil Wayne. He was huge and he still is. Drake wouldn't be a thing without him. Nicki Minaj wouldn't be a thing without him. Uh, a lot I of these rappers, uh, thank you. A lot of these rappers that use auto tune in their voice to, to change their inflection, Young Thug, none of these guys would be anything without. Little Wayne doing it first, a hundred and ten percent. Little Wayne is on my like. If you eliminate Biggie and Tupac from the discussion, he's above them for me. And just simply going with like kind of our era of like cognizant memory too, where like Biggie and Tupac were around, but like we weren't like fully living in that era. Yeah, like well, our generation is. The Jay Z, it's the Lil Wayne, and then Kendrick and J Cole came along as we got, you know, further into high school and everything. That's kind of like our era of rap. Yes, although we grew up in the nineties, right, and in the early two thousands, right. Um, that wasn't what we listened to. Uh, you know, we didn't get the freedom to choose the music that we wanted to listen to until we got into the mid 2000s. So, you know, for us, right, our generation was obsessed with 90s culture, right? You know, you see it today with the kids, the teenagers nowadays, they're obsessed with 2000s culture. Mm-hmm. We, there were certain sections of us that were obsessed with 90s culture. There were certain sections of our generation that were obsessed with like stuff way back. So, like 70s culture. Maybe some eighties culture, but you know, because you saw in in the twenty tens and stuff mm-hmm. that the resurgence of like electronic music and, and a lot of that added in the pop music. But I digress. Um, so you know, we had a large section of people who listened to rap who were obsessed with old school rap, nineties rap, because at the time that was still like the golden era, right? We were living in what I now consider the golden era. But for us, the golden era was the 90s. Everything was good. Like, it was so cool to listen to. You know, you had Wu-Tang and, and, and Nas and DMX and, and early Jay-Z and, and, and Tupac and Biggie, NWA, Snoop Dogg. The list goes on and on. That's why we hold Biggie and Pac on this pedestal, especially the people nowadays that talk about this stuff. But if you talk to people that, like, lived it, you know, they were teenagers during this East Coast, West Coast beef. They may not agree with you so much because they know like, oh, these guys were amazing. But what happened afterwards is even better. And 
nobody nobody comes close to Lil Wayne, in my opinion. Lyrically, musically, uh, bars, like just like I can still rap Lil Wayne songs. Oh yeah, word for word. I can I can do like maybe Biggie's or Pac's like main songs, like like most popular songs. But you can put on a random Lil Wayne song, and like if I haven't listened to it for a while, like I gotta listen to it for a second, and then I will start reciting lyrics. This guy is the pedestal, and Kendrick has gotten close in my opinion, but Wayne is just a different level, different level. And and I know that we're talking about this on a soccer podcast, but it's the fun bonus content for the people. Yes. I have Those a fun take to add to this too. Came all the way out here a minute or an hour and 20 minutes into this. You guys are the real ones. You know who's somebody that doesn't get appreciated <laughs> enough in the rap hip hop space? Because when he was doing his thing, it was like, oh, he auto tunes. It's not his real voice. But now he is, he is the hip hop equivalent to Nickelback, where it was like, it was the f- cool thing to hate on Nickelback when we were younger and now Nickelback's cool again to listen to. And everybody's like, Oh, it was just an internet meme thing to like hate on Nickelback. T-Pain doesn't Stop. get enough credit. Stop. Oh, you compared T-Pain to Nickelback in the hip hop space. Like I'm not saying like they're the same, but like the type of hate that T-Pain would get simply because he used auto tune was bananas. I don't know if I agree with that. T-Pain was that dude. I agree with you. T-Pain, T-Pain is that like go look at T-Pain's Grammy nominations from 2008 to 2010. And He's in every just, single category. And not just the music that he released under himself. He wrote music for other artists. Mm-hmm. He is a musician more than just a rapper. His rapping skill is incredible. But what he was he, he was nominated for the Grammys for these songs. Bartender with Akon, Good Life with Kanye West, Kiss Kiss with Chris Brown, Got Money with Lil Wayne, Low with Flo Rida. Uh, he was nominated for Album of the Year for the Carter Three as a featured artist and producer. Uh, one of the greatest parody songs of all time, I'm on a Boat with the Lonely Island. Blame It with Jamie Foxx. And then... Nominated for Best Contemporary R&B Album for Three Rings in 2010. Listen, T-Pain is one of my favorite artists ever. So He's I, amazing. I, Buy You a Drink was my ringtone for at least three years. So it, He's it, incredible. It, How, did Speaking of T-Pain, and I bring this up too, because did you see his new covers album? Yes, I haven't listened to it yet, but I thought so about doing good. that. I heard it was good. So good. He covers Journey, Ozzy Osbourne, and it's unbelievable. Oh man, I gotta give it a listen. I have to. He covers "Don't to. Stop Believing," and it, like if Journey uh, ever goes on tour again, I need them to bring T Pain. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. T Pain's that dude. Hey, just so you know, uh, I have twelve votes. Let me get more votes. If you guys are listening to this, like, if you listen to this before the twenty-four hours is up, there's nineteen hours left at the time of recording right now, ten twenty-three p.m. Eastern t- Standard Time. Excuse me, 10.24. The time just changed. Biggie, 16.7%. 25% is Pac. 
41.7% is Wayne and 16.7% is Kendrick. So the people who have responded to me, I think know their stuff. Um, do we have anything else to talk about? I think that's all I got. I just went and retweeted the poll too. Yeah. Um, um. Hey, also, uh, before we get out of here, if you like food content, please follow me. I'm I'm getting back into sharing stuff on Twitter. Did you see my National Cheese Steak Day post? It's great. Oh, my God. I mean, this was all from when I worked at the deli, too. At Giovanni's. Shout out to Giovanni's. 31st in uh, delis in New Jersey. So inside the top 40. Uh, and they deserve it. I mean, oh my God. Like, I'm looking at them right now on the big screen. I'm getting hungry, Kyle. <laughs> and you saw the, the other one, right? The, the, the one that I responded to, like uh, a chef. Um... And he was talking about sandwiches. And oh, yeah. The reply. Oh, dude, like, That's me. I said, oh, my God, I'm the these are just I'm still getting impressions on this today, like like notifications. People are still seeing it. I, I tweeted this a week ago. People are still seeing it, which is crazy. This is why when we have an HQ, we'll just have a full blown kitchen to film kitchen content. Don't tempt me, Kyle. Oh, I'm I'm tempting. We're gonna have our own fantasy factory one day. Temptation is the devil, Kyle. <laughs> All right, listen. You you cannot do this to me, okay? Do not, because I'll come in there and show you my beerier recipe. Incredible, dude! I just. I ate before the first show, right? Um, I decided because we're meal prepping, I didn't want to do berry and beef, pork, which is a lot cheaper. I bought pork chops, big ones. I got three pounds for like five bucks. What dude, it's great. So I seasoned them up, made my broth, gave them a little sear, put them in the pressure cooker, oh, fall off the bone, shredded it all up. Made some coconut rice, put it with the coconut rice, a little bit of cilantro and red onion. I didn't even need tortillas. I made a bowl out of it. Put some avocado on the top. Ah, oh, I'll give so I'll give the people one final note. Uh, if you live in the southern New Jersey area, there is this taco place in Cape May. I hope they continue to have it because it was unbelievable. Cheesesteak. Birria tacos. How? I don't know how they did it. It was one of the greatest meals I've ever had. So much so, because I went to this place after my best friend's wedding last year that I officiated. We all went out in Cape May after. It was so good. I told my parents, I said, we're going here for my birthday lunch the following week. Went right back. 
ordered the same thing. Hell yeah, dude. Hell so yeah. good. So good. I, uh, there's a, uh, birria quesadilla that's the size of a medium pizza that you can get from this spot called La Dolce Vita in Medford. So those of you in South Jersey, La Dolce Vita in, in Medford, uh, it's, it's, it's like $13. It's like a burrito, like take two burrito tortillas. So like the 12 inch or, or however big they are. I think they're like, actually like what, 16 inches or something like that. And they put the birria, the Oaxaca cheese, cilantro and red pepper or red onions boom smack dab in between these two and they grow both sides and then they slice it like pizza and then they give you the side of the broth to dip it in they still have these on the menu by the way just looked it up i may have to take a trip ribeye steak cheese blend cheese sauce pico corn tortillas it's mint Follow us at FC Top Bins, at Top Bins Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to the pod. Under, underground cheesesteaks. Subscribe to that as well. Subscribe, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a five-star review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Run up the subscribers on there. Leave a comment, your best rapper, your favorite. Uh, so much content today. Food takes and everything as well in the youtube comment section three and a half and, hours uh, of podcast straight we out here and uh follow dom on twitter at wash lifestyle follow me at kbizzl311 get your merch phi apparel.co code underground 10 percent off and if you're in the philadelphia area come out to our live tailgate podcast event before the phillies game on april 8th jetro lot 1 p.m it's gonna be a banger all the details are on the main account at Underground PHI on Instagram and Twitter. Go check it out. Hope to see you there. Matt should be back next episode. Uh, so until then, for Dom, KB, thanks for having me, Top Ins Nation, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Later. Later.